Hey, this is Theo from Theo and the Thugs, and you're listening to 25,000 Miles Radio right now. I'm right here, Joel. Sorry, I just uh, I just had to give a couple grown men some hugs. Yeah, man, you you take your time. <laughs>
Yeah, Joe, Keith. I missed him at the 10 foot pole show. He didn't even show up. He said, you hear what he said? The 10 foot pole show, dude. I was banned and saying he didn't go to the 10 foot pole show. He, uh, he was had GoPro cameras out and everything and the oh, man. people filming. He was, like, he, was, he was set up to meet me. There was there was red velvet rope. Oh, <laughs> there was red and VIP. Yeah, it was, it was the VIP section, people. yeah. I was I was yeah, back. Very there. important. I was way backstage. There's no way. Well, sorry, man. Yeah. I didn't get <laughs> I didn't get to meet you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know he was saying, "Don't call that guy." I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He never said that. Loser. I, this is the first time <laughs> almost heard of it. I didn't know you were such a dick, Joel. I knew that you would come to me And we'd run away with all our dreams Don't you think that I'd prepare a bit To try to make it all complete To run away is not the kind of thing That I'd do in a normal day But it's so cool that we're together And we're smiling, drinking soda I want to jump in a lake Sunshine down on a beach in the summer I want to jump in a lake You took one of my questions away. Yeah, I saw a picture of him like jamming with you. I was like, wait, what? I didn't know he was playing with them. Yeah, that well we did another guitarist and we said who yeah, should we said who should we pick? And like we went we went on the list and we went right down to the ninth person on the list. He <laughs> <laughs> was sixty ninth on the list. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, he was number one on the list with all the band because Dan had come out, um, come out on the road with us, and through a friend that was actually mixing us, said, "I know a guitar tech, and he plays guitar in this other band called The Core, uh, and uh, he's a great guy and all that." And he, boy, did he like play him down because, uh, yeah, he was not only an awesome guy but and a rad guitar player. Um, but yeah, we hit it off. He made me cry, laugh in the in in the van on the road stories, and we were making comic skits and stuff. It was just unbelievable, and uh, it, he just had to have been there because I can't uh, express how uh, amazed all of it was. Right on. We're going to talk about Theo and the Thugs. Um, but awesome. So for the good, ben- great. Yeah, I, I hear that too. Uh, but for the benefit of our listeners, could you tell me about? 
Theo and the Thugs? Like, when did the project take form, and how long have you guys been playing so far? It took form probably a couple of years ago. Like, the idea of, um, I mean, I had a bunch of songs, um, and I was kind of like, you know, they were kind of half-written. They were kind of older songs I did for God, but they weren't completed, or stuff that, you know, we passed on maybe as Gob a little bit, you know, and stuff like that, because we were kind of like, our albums kept evolving in music writing. And it was like a, a sort of a democratic approach to songwriting. If Tom had like these amazing songs, you know, I'd, I'd be like, that song's awesome. That's kind of, I mean, I for, like, kind of like, I'd rather have that song on than one of mine or whatever, you know. And he did, he was, you know, Tom, Tom could give you songwriting. So it's, it's like, it's like, it was as we, grew as musicians, he just was like this amazing songwriting machine. Um, and then, you know, we obviously Gob sort of got put a bit on the back burner when Tom joined Sun 41, he would go on tour with them, um, and he would be touring a lot, and like, again, this year he's out uh, this this whole time you're doing their new record, and, I, you know, I was like talking to him, I was out in New York at his place uh, writing some Gob songs, um, which were rad, and, uh, and he was going to be busy a lot this year uh, with their new record coming out. So, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to do this thing the thing, you know, and he goes, you oh, know, cool, all that about it. And, uh, and I just wanted to go out and rock, and he wasn't going to be able to come out to do any gob stuff this, this fall. So put together uh, a, a, a league of extraordinary gentlemen, <laughs> which... Uh, hey, does this sound like rash, Dan? <laughs> Yeah, I used to get that taken care of. Oh, sorry, back to the interview. Um, yeah, so um, Gabe and Steven actually wanted to play because I had a different drummer, uh, Lawrence Butler, uh, a friend of mine. He played in a bunch of metal bands in Vancouver, and uh, we were good friends, and we've always said, hey, we should jam sometime, you know, whatever. And we did, and then I had all these song ideas, and the next thing I know, it, we were, like, you know, spending two, three days a week just, like, jamming these tunes, and then started getting them together and then spent all the time. Then I went into the studio and got him to do all the drumming for it. Um, you know, and then eventually was thinking, oh, I'll do the side project thing. When Cobb's busy doing that, I can just go out and do it in the front. Gabe and Steven in the picture kind of said, hey, well, if you, are you going to be playing Gob songs? Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll play some Gob songs. And they, were, they wanted to come on tour. So I'm like, let's get the thugs going with two other members. So it'd be three out of four members of Gob. So we'll be playing some Gob old school songs, especially ones that I sing. And then we were like right at the top, like, well, we need another guitar player because Gob has two guitar players. And we need someone I can sing and play. And, and the fact, I'm not even kidding, all three of us on different, like the way we chatted and like text each other, we're all, all of us Dan Garrison from the core. And like, I'm, it was like magical because. We all were on the same page. And I had to ask Dan, you know, hey, when I go out and do this, you know, thugs up there, I, just, I was kind of formed. I didn't know who was going to play bass and play guitar, but I had to ask them, like, probably a year or two years ago, I would have started to start doing it, uh, actually tracking and getting songs together, saying, hey, are you interested in playing? He goes, of course. He was playing with the real Mackenzie at the time. So he said, yeah, he said, absolutely. Words, I think, it was, to me, were absolutely. And I'm like, okay, cool. He hasn't even really heard anything. He just, you know, t- uh, you know, I mean, he just took me on my word. And lo-, lo and behold, of course, he's here. And we're rehearsing with him. And it's uh, a pleasure beyond to get back into the swing of things and, you know, and, and, and have rehearsals, but also 
can't wait to go out and dance and play them live because it's just that's the rewarding part of playing in a band. I say. It's like when you're on the stage and you're playing your songs that you've written over the years, and then there's people show up, sing them back to you. Like I don't know what other what if that's like a goal, like winning a gold medal to me. It's always been like that. It's just the most rewarding. It makes it all satisfying and climaxing. <laughs> yeah, well said. Well said. Uh, so it's basically poor Dan and Gob. It's four, it's actually three men and a baby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it shouldn't be. Because he's like, the, I guess he's the youngest one, like a little bit younger than anyone, but it was actually, that was, <laughs> he said, if we, he'll play, he'll play on the tour, he'll play on the shows with him, like, as long as we call it three men and a baby tour. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. you know, he wanted to have a picture of his, his face Photoshop as us holding. Uh, him as a little baby, so I was like, um, I, I loved it, and uh, he has a great sense of humor, and he fit right in. That's that's beautiful, and I think you should do it. I mean, you kind of touched on this, but was there ever kind of like that feeling like, yo, Tom's not here, maybe we shouldn't play Gob songs, maybe we should just stick to you know, Theo and the Thugs, was that ever like, did that ever cross your mind? Uh, it did. The thing is, though, um, I'm not. I'm not gonna have a record done until spring 2020, right? So, and obviously, I would have an album out. But to go play live for like you know a bunch of songs that no one has access to and, and know them, and, and you know, then no, it's gonna be all new. It'd be so. I, I I feel it would be boring for them. So I was gonna wait until you know next year to actually do something. But um, since everyone wanted to do some of the old Gob songs. And I was going to do some of the, you know, my songs that I do with Gob with, with the, you know, the songs anyway, just split some up in there just to make it, I mean, I, I would just feel that some people would want to hear some of the old stuff and, you know, like, I, I, and I didn't want to let anyone down. I just want, you know, I wanted it to be a good show. So I guess at least there's a bunch of new songs and some old ones to throw in just to make the show fun. Because when you hear, you know, honestly, when you hear someone's new album, um, Sometimes it, it, it takes, you know, a few listens to get to the vibe of the, oh, you know what, I really get this record. Or, or you like, you, or you, you know, you like it right away, and in the end, there's like two or three songs you like off it right away. So just to do something out of the blue and play a bunch of new songs that no one's ever heard, it's kind of weird. That's why that cover song that I did at Platinum Blanc, because it was kind of like I had it. Out of the out of all the songs, one of the first songs I, I did the vocals for, just because you know they were the lyrics were already written, and then I was working on other songs, so I stopped to mix that song because I, I basically recorded that whole. I did. I recorded it like engineered and, I, and it's a lot of work, um, you know, playing guitar and bass and that. And I was just kind of, you know, it's like a passion project. It takes a lot longer to get it finished, especially when, you know, I'm kind of doing the whole thing. But I, there's a couple songs and I, that I want, I want, uh, I wanted Dan actually to sing on, and I, there's actually a lead vocal on one of the new songs because I would get my brother, my younger brother was going to possibly sing on it because it's a solo record. I wanted it to be like whatever I wanted it to be because it's my own thing. And I was in control of it because you know I was basically paying for it, so it's like it's my way or the highway on this. The highway kind of like the bridge was short, so it kind of got to, uh, and then the car fell off. No, <laughs> no. Um, Dan came out and was rehearsing the songs, and like we were, you know, we had talked, 
And then I played him some of the songs, and he seemed um, like stoked on uh, some of the songs. No, no, he was stoked on it. And that I told him I wanted my brother to sing, but it, it didn't make sense because my younger brother, which actually, a little tidbit, a little uh, a fact here, a gob retro fact. Before we started in Gob, my younger brother played with me and Tom, and he sang in a band that we were kind of just doing just before we became Gob. He actually sang with us. Uh, me and Tom played guitar, and we did harmonies and stuff. His brother was like actually a really good singer. You know, I, I didn't inherit that as much. <laughs> I got a little bit of it. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I could play guitar better than him. That was the bully about it. Um, but yeah, so we were doing these songs, and then, you know, like, the way things, and then when, when we formed Gob, Tom and I, like, created that band together at the time when that other band kind of folded, so we kind of wanted to do this, and then we, you know, created that band at the same time, it was just, that's how that kind of happened, but I was trying to bring my brother in to sing this song, because it was a little bit of a higher key, and, and the range was uh, higher, but it was kind of like a, sort of like a rock, punk, metal, kind of, like, ish kind of thing, and it was, Voila! Dan shows up to the studio and and or, and uh, he hears it, and then it was it's easy for him that key to sing too. So it makes more sense. Like he's going to be playing with us, and now I can play the song all the time live if the song you know is is good enough. But he's going to he's going to ensure that it's good enough because he's going to be singing his little ass off. <laughs> but it, <laughs> anyway. It, it would have, you know, my brother, what, he would be singing the song, like, once we ever, we played in Vancouver, you know, one time, if it was a song, you know, just, I think it'd be a good album track to play live, and it's just awesome that it gets, you know, it's just, you now it's part of the band, and, uh, and Dan himself, actually, you know, he's an awesome songwriter, which is another bonus, so, you know, he had some demos, actually, he played for me not too long ago, and I'm like, why, why are we going to be playing, we should be playing this song, with so yeah, it'd be awesome. So I, I mean, I have a bunch of, like I have I did 13 songs for the CUT and the Thugs, uh, one of them being that cover song, and then they have 12 originals. And it's sort of a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag of uh, songs. It's like this kind of hardcore, this punk, this punk pop. There's kind of like an indie emo rock feel to some of them. Like it's sort of like, you know, there's kind of like a 50s kind of uh, uh, punky kind of rock feel to some of them. It's, it's just sort of all over because it's just songs I wrote over the years, like even songs that I wrote uh, back in, you know, 1995 and 96 and stuff, and then, you know, the 2000s and then whatever, and they progressed later on and stuff. But, I mean, there's just a bunch of songs that I had in the vault. Yeah, I want to preserve Even though you're not a girl 
say is um that kind of makes sense though what you were saying is is playing gob songs too because any band when they put out a new album everyone wants to hear all the older songs right so you can go to see acdc or if you went to see oh well the ramones it's hard to see them but but you would go see like a band that like you that you love and then they have the first two or three classic records like back you know old school you want to hear those songs like I mean, because you're a fan and, and that's, you want to hear those songs. If they went out and just played like 90 or 80 or 60% of their new record, it's like, yeah, you'll be, you know, you'll be, but you won't be as stoked if they played obviously most of their old stuff and then some of their new stuff. Because, you know, let's face it, most people, when they get a new record, it's like they do listen to it, but then there's people that aren't as familiar. You know, it's just one of those things that it builds up that nostalgia, whatever, when you, you, you build that over time, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Some songs just kind of sit in your body or, like, you hear it. Uh, like, they're, they're, they just, like, you just know when you hear it, you're like, oh, my God, and it takes you to that place. Hey, well, I was getting this years old, and I was doing this. I was having the best time of my life. I was jumping my BMX bike off in Lake into Shushwap Lake when I was listening to Soda or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's just like, yeah, so that's why it's like, I'm going to play a couple of the new songs but most of it's going to be the old, oldies, the goodies. Well, there'll be a couple surprise Tom songs in there, too, because I can get Dan has a good scene, but it's a little treat for everyone that comes out. Yeah, right on. They'll just be like, is that guy replacing Tom? This is just gob. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's just feeling the thugs. It's the fact that gob is a completely is existing and it's still going on. It's active. Um, it's just that, it's, you know, it's hard to do when these when the member's not around, right? So it's like, you can't really do anything without Tom for Gob. So yeah. this is the whole reason that Fear and the Thugs was sort of like, it made sense for me because I want to keep playing. I don't want to wait years and years to like go and rock, rock it and neither does the other guys. So, you know, we just kind of have to like, this was the only other way we could figure out. It's like, you know, and, and Tom gave us the blessing. He, Dan actually told me, I'll do it too. I want to do it. I, I, I love you guys. As long as I get my ble- the blessing from Tom, like, and as long as Tom's cool with it, and uh, and if Tom gave Dan the blessing, he's like, of course, it's all cool. But because it wasn't being called Gob in the thugs, I mean, obviously it'd be cool if it was Gob because then people just know the name. It's you know, it has that total, um, you know, that, oh yeah, I remember that band or like whatever. If you're like, older, like you know, and stuff, but yeah. it has some lasting kind of, you know. Impressions on and Canada, I guess. Feeling the thugs is kind of like feeling the thugs. Like, who the fuck is that? You know. So yeah, it's that's you know, and that and this is why we're talking about it. And you got to let everyone know, let everyone know who the feeling the thugs are. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best go, man. Lawrence Butler, the other drummer, he's actually going to be on tour as well. So there's two drummers. It's almost like 38 special here. Um, 
for a couple of the songs you're going to join in in the set. You're going to play a couple of the thug song. Um, and he also, because he used to he used to tech guitar tech and drum tech for Gob as well. So and he's a rad drummer. So um, and have you, you've obviously I don't know. Have you heard that that cover song that I did? Yep. That doesn't really matter. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, him, that's him playing the drums on it. Um, okay, so here's a touring question for you. Okay, on this tour, bands usually, mm-hmm. they play Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary usually. And it's, you know, like that's just kind of the circuit. But on this tour, you guys are kind of hitting everywhere. You're playing like Kamloops, you're playing Kelowna. Do you think that there's, it's important to hit like those smaller cities along the way? The truth is, the oh, no. <laughs> no, of course <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I wouldn't be doing it if I make. Mean, I didn't go. Oh, uh, give me some of those uh, other markets. I purposely wanted to do other shows besides just the city shows because that. I mean, that's where Gob smaller towns are because you know there's people that are starving for entertainment just as much as big cities and that. And you know what? And sometimes when we play like you know you know Calumster, Kelowna, like. And people are, are so stoked that we're there, and they're like they show it when they're at the show. There's energy, they're singing along, they're just moshing, they're having a great time. So, of course, I mean, Nanaimo, um, Kelowna, Calus, um, Abbotsford, Squamish like those are a smaller, like cities, obviously, in Vancouver and in Calgary, but they they count just the same. I tell you, and that's the truth. They count, they're the same. It's just like if, if, uh, People want to see us play. We show up and they come. Like every place is the same. That, that's the honest truth. Is like I wanted to do, and we're actually doing an all eight show. I wanted to do an all eight show on this tour, um, and we're doing it at a skateboard shop in Abbotsford, um, which they're super surprised to have us. You know, I, the guy was like, "I can't believe you're coming here," and and of course we're like, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> yeah, man. No, I we purposely reached out to them and said, "Hey, you guys are doing shows there," and they were super stoked to have them come out there. So, and it's on like a Thursday of school night, so we're hoping that you know whatever the God fans that maybe might be in their thirties and forties, they may have kids and they want to bring them to the show. God hasn't done one in a long time. Um, I mean, obviously, it makes sense because all the ones that came to our all eight shows back then, they grown up, you know, and they're in their legal age, and they can go and drink at the bar and stuff. But, but I think it's important to do all eight shows. Like I do think so. Hey, listen, if if the Mormons can knock on my door, <laughs> I can do all eight shows. <laughs> I don't know how that applies, but I like you it. Could, I don't know if you should quote me on that, but. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, okay, quote me on that. Yeah, okay. It's being quoted. So I wanted to jump to a gob question. Um, uh, the 2014 okay. album, Apartment 13, you don't, you didn't do any of the lead vocals on that album. What's up with that? I did write um, a few songs for that record. Um, Tom's songwriting machine, as he always did, he had a, a, a huge like amount of great songs for that. So we, we picked it as a band, like, Stephen and Gabe and I, like, you know, sometimes, like, well, that's good. That is, so it kind of worked out, you know, that way. Um, that all these great songs. So it's just like, and mine, you know, like, uh, we're okay. Like, you know, that's just the way it is. But I do think that mixing it up, like having some of my songs with Tom and, you know, and, or he sings on 
there'd be songs like even like nothing new off how far. It's like a song I wrote, the the melodies, the lyrics, everything. But at the time, I was like, no, I don't really like the way it sounds. My voice was kind of like shy about it. I didn't really know, you know, I'm not the best singer. I feel anyway, and so Tom had a different range so I got him to sing like there'd be times I mean, you know we'd, I'd write like his songs and Tom would sing or whatever just I, I for me it was always what sounded the best like the Painted Black song the it was done for actually the movie soundtrack uh, Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon the director of that movie was a fan of God but he really liked what to do it was a song I wrote and sang and of course when we were doing Painted Black I was you know I, we're doing it with me singing, but I was just like, you know, I don't, I'm not feeling like the way this doesn't sound right. And I said, Tom, just, you want to just try it? And he said like, well, I kind of have a cold. I don't know. But when he's saying, I'm like, no, this is, you know, I always did whatever was best for the song. And, and you know, it wasn't about ego or whatever. I just always wanted the song to sound as best as it can. So, I mean, at the time when you hear it, like, oh no, that's it. I picture that. Like, this is sort of, it feels right. And so, and that's how it always was in apartment 13 in this case. Um, I didn't have a, enough material that was, you know, good enough, basically. And that's just, you know, in the sense that I didn't feel comfortable. There was a couple songs that I actually, I, I'm a doing on the Thugs thing that got revamped and I made them a lot better, I feel. And uh, so, yeah, so there's that, that you know, there's, so it's, it's, it's just the way it, it rolls, I guess, sometimes, and I did record that whole record, basically, like, you know, with me and Tom, and I mixed that record, so I put a lot of work into it with Tom, like, I was, I was there the whole time, and of course, uh, so it was actually, that was probably my first job record that I completely mixed from the, you know, beginning to end, that was entirely, and I had done some on Muertos, Vigos, uh, a couple songs, like open wounds, you know. Like uh, I, I mixed that one off that record, and I think Tom and I did um, still, still uh, feel nothing. Uh, still feel nothing was both of us, and also, if I recall, face the ashes, which was a song that I didn't even think Tom would. Uh, um, it was like not a god, but the drummer was really stoked. Gabe was stoked on that song, and I mixed that one too. Um, but anyway, people are like, what, what songs are these he's talking about? <laughs> I mean, in the end, no one really cares, I think, who's mixing what and making it. It's all what, how it sounds. Oh, I like the song. It's something it means to me. I feel boring you with the tech details. No, dude. No way. <laughs> um, Someone's falling asleep. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Hey, you in the back, I, I know you fell asleep. Wake up. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to have to cut a lot out of this. Jeez. Um, okay. No, I'm just joking. Well, I'm, uh, get, I'm getting off the phone then. Yeah. <laughs> I was told by my manager that this would air entirely like this, unedited. Unedited version. <laughs> um, when do you think the turning point was when people really started taking notice of you guys? Well, actually, because, well, because of much music uh, back in the day was more like it was basically like Canada's, I would say, number one radio station in a way. Like, obviously, you can hear songs, but you can see the visual. So, and they actually played bands that were like, it would be mixed uh, genres where you have, have a hip hop artist come in, like a blues artist or a, you know, alternative artist and or whatever. And they would be live on the air. You walk in, you see Slash playing, you see 
you know, whatever Green Day walk in or like, you know, it was just, it was real. And, it, and they played music from um, a bunch of different bands. And it sort of, you know, it wasn't just carved out, you know, top 40 uh, machine thing that kind of happened. And or even now it's not even like there's hardly any more music. It's all just like they play movies on it. Um, and the sort of like, I've ruined it. I think it's completely ruined. Yeah. Um, but at the time, in when Soda was done, like we did this video. We were always touring. Like, you know, we had started off in 1994, put out our own records and and put out our own CDs. Uh, at the time when no one had like CD burners or whatever, like to make CDs, um, you know. And we were actually pressed these CDs, got them done, and sent them out to college radio. We toured with Maximum Rock and Roll, which was a magazine. We have to use a, literally like a phone and go to a pay phone or. You know, we'd call, we, you know, we didn't have cell phones and stuff back then. Yeah. We would make these, you know, these tours and we'd book them on landlines. And um, we continued that. And that was all we did. We, you know, it would be 20 to 30, 40, whatever people uh, on these shows across Canada. We had toured, but it wasn't until we did that video, Soda, where my cousin, you know, filmed the video for us. We had this idea, like, hey, we wanted to ride BMX bikes off into a lake. Can we make a video about that? Because the record company, uh, Mint Records, Indie, they wanted to put out You're Too Cool as the first single. And we were like, well, we'll do that, but can we do Soda first? And that was because we wanted to build a, a bike ramp to jump in the lake, like a, a nice one. Yeah. Um, and so like, for like basically $1,600 uh, video that we made, like the 16 mil film video, um, you know, I did, Tom did my hair, I did his hair, <laughs> uh, you know, that was like the, you know, that was it, there was no catering on the set. <laughs> um, basically the catering was the bug, uh, the bugs I had in my mouth at the end of the video. But yeah, that was sort of put all together and my cousin had this idea and then we just did what he kind of told us. And then we said, we just wanted to ride these bikes. And at the end of the video, it was supposed to be totally different. It's supposed to be the band showing up everyone. And then we were supposed to submerge underwater and you know, whatever, but no one showed up except for me. So my cousin's like, well, what do you, what can we do uh, for the end of this video? Uh, whatever. And then I said, well, and then it was like leather jacket or crane fly or whatever you call them. Those things are like almost like giant mosquitoes or mosquito eaters. They call them. I don't know what, but, <laughs> They kind of were flying at the time that this was in August or something, and it was late August. Uh, and they're they're around more, and I'm like, I don't know, I can shove a whole bunch of these in my mouth. And then he goes, You do that? So, you know, I collected these bugs for whatever it was, like two or three hours, and I got about 27, 28 of them, and I just crammed them in my, my, my mouth. And yeah, so he said, Action. And I did the, you know, the, the ending of the video was like, Nah, nah. And then, then my mouth opened. And these things were in there, and they're moving around, and it was the most weirdest thing. And uh, they were stuck to my spit and, go and gob. Yeah. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> um, and uh, so they were stuck in my mouth, kind of hanging, and then when the filming was stopped, I just spit them out, and I like, gargled a bunch of, like, slithering or whatever, because <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but, yeah, and that actually, that took off as in, like, the the DJs would say, oh, do you see what he had in his mouth? And it was like a minute and a half video. And it sort of took on its own kind of things. Uh, people were stoked to see it. They were, I guess they were getting a lot of requests for it. And uh, and that was just basically 
honestly, we were touring across Canada, and when that video came out on Much Music, like, it was actually on, like, a heavier rotation kind of thing. Uh, we showed up to one of our shows in Toronto, and the show was at the Opera House, and there was, like, 1,200 people, and, like, it was just insane. Like, it was... We went from, like, 30 people to this, and we, you know... And it's the same show. There's, like, no lighting, extra lighting, or anything. It was just, like, totally, like, this... <laughs> you know, these just suburban punk snotty kids telling cockball jokes and stuff, and just, you know, we were doing that, and, and somehow people still managed to love us. Um, so what do you think the motivation is to keep making music and to keep touring? Because you know as well as I do, it's it, she's a tough road. Like, what keeps you creating? What keeps you going on the road? Okay, um... It's the love of it, I guess, because some people don't like being on the road that much. Uh, and, and it's also hard for some people. It's just like to get along with a bunch of guys or, you know, or girl, what, however you tour with. Like, it's, you become a family, and it's just like brothers and sisters. Obviously, I guess there's moments where, like, there's going to be a little bit of, like, you know, give me back my brush. Uh, I mean, with God, like, it's just, <laughs> no, that's my hairspray. Don't use all my hairspray. I'm just kidding. It's the love. I mean, you love doing it, I guess. that's. I mean, there's no... I, I guess that's the only real answer I can give you. I mean, if I didn't like doing it, I mean, I don't know why I would want to put myself through, like, through it, right? Like, some people think it's... I mean, obviously, to get it off the ground, rehearse, get everything going and, and organize everything, it, it takes work, just like anything does. Um, and, it, and people think, oh, you, you know, rock stars and, and stuff like that, but it's like, no, it's not. Like maybe if you're like U2 or Metallica or like some band where it's like you have all the people doing all the, all the um, background work for you, you know, then it's, yeah, obviously it's a lot easier. Um, I think the songwriting suffers uh, when all that kind of stuff happens. Cause you, I mean, we had the struggle and all that stuff from the beginning. Um, the songwriting seems always to be better. I don't know how many, uh, how many artists like, you know, when they get that giantly successful, it's just a lot of different problems they have. You know, oh, my God, where do I put this Van Gogh painting? Oh, I'm going to write a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what this giant cement wall covered in alabaster it needs is a Van Gogh painting. Oh, <laughs> which one should be very nice? I can't figure this out. I'm going to write a song about it. I think uh, keeping it real and... Uh, doing what you love and being honest about it is the, you know, uh, makes the, that's my motivation is like having the guys around and, and uh, a bunch of uh, good people and, and making it fun and having good laughs and also rocking and, and sharing those moments of that. That's, that's the motivation for me, I guess. Awesome. I could have just said that instead of talked for 10 minutes. Uh, so you, you've got this tour coming up. What is next after this tour for Theo and the Thugs? So, yeah, it's just back to the studio and uh, finish the vocals. Cause, I mean, all the drums, guitars, and basically a lot of the bass stuff I've, I've done already. Yeah, it's just mostly the vocals and just finishing off some lyrics and stuff. But, yeah, I wanted to get uh, Dan Garrison in there to, to do some singing and uh, also hopefully some harmonies. Yeah, on the Platinum Blonde cover, actually, there's Gabe and my brother... And stuff they sang on uh, on the in the background vocals and stuff uh, for that. So that was kind of cool. 